This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, brought to you by Profits Plus Solutions. Increasing your profits plus building your business for the future. We are Profits Plus. You can find us at ProfitsPlus.org. This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now, the host of Small Business Conversations, principal of Profits Plus Solutions, here is Tom Shea. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Small Business Conversations for December 2nd, 2021. We welcome you to the program. Glad you take time to visit with us, whether you're listening to us live and participating in the program or if you're going to be picking this up by one of your favorite podcast services. Now, that's because every Small Business Conversations are being recorded. We have these transcribed. We have them put on the ProfitsPlus.org website. And from there, they are then rebroadcast out to about 18 different uh, podcast services. So you can come to our website and um, listen to it. Uh, If you download stuff onto your phone when you're out of the range of service, you can do so. Or if you listen to it by way of podcast, our current list of podcast services include Amazon, Anchor, Apple, Breaker, CastBox, Castro, Google, iHeart, iVox, Listen Notes, Overcast, Pandora, PocketCast, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Verbal. Mm, yeah, that's about it. All you have to do is take and tell your favorite service that you want to take. Uh, and get the notification for Small Business Conversations with Tom Shea, and you'll be on the program. Well, that being said, we're going to talk about our our guest tonight and why we wanted to have her come back to visit with us again. She's a very prolific writer, both in magazines and in books. There are multiple publications that she is the go-to person when they want to authenticate some bit of information. She founded a company back in 1992 called Unity Marketing. And she does an awful lot of research to justify all the points that she wants to take and make in in her books, which are, I would say, for anyone who's in the, the realm of dealing with customers such as she does, tend to be the high end customers. She is an authority. She is a member of the Leaders in Luxury Design Panel. She has um, received the Global Luxury Forum Award 2007. She's been named to Luxury Daily's uh, Luxury Women to Watch in 2013. She's a member of Jim Blassingame's Small Advocate uh, Brain Trust. She contributes to Forbes. She contributes to the Robin Report. She has... uh, written 10 books that we will get her to talk about, and it is because of one of those books that we have invited to come back. She also is no stranger to a a TV camera, because she has been on today's show, CBS News Sunday morning, CNN, Fox News, NPR's Marketplace, CNN, (sighs) my gosh, if I keep going through all the things that she has to accomplish, We are we are not going to take and get to talk to her about what she really knows. So with that, we welcome our guest tonight, Pam Danziger. Pam, are you there? 
Yes, I am, and it's glad, I'm glad to be here with you. Talk about uh, small business, retail, what's up for the holidays, and uh, some marketing ideas. Well, we had a great time uh, when we were together last time, and uh, I was telling you beforehand, we have gotten several people who have uh, made, commented to me earlier to tell me that they were uh, here, going to participate. Uh, one of my can tell is listening to us right now. I'll ask him to say hello. Chris, you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I was excited to see Pam Danziger uh, on your show, and uh, you know I always learn from Pam. She's just the most brilliant individual I know. <laughs> Flattery will well, get you I everywhere. Have two of my favorite <laughs> brains on the program tonight. Yep, I, I could take and perhaps just shut uh, my microphone off and listen to the two of you just have a discussion for the whole night. Uh, <laughs> well, Let me we may disagree. I shall take notes. <laughs> Oh, but that's that is the the essence of it. Um, yeah, yeah, years, yeah. We ch- iron sharpens iron, isn't that what they say? Well, that's true. I had a uh, a co-host on the program for a bunch of years, and, and that was an issue that we just could not get solved. I said, look, I'm I'm completely fine that if I say something, and if my guest comes on and says, you know, I disagree with you, or you know, I go a different direction, I go, this is what the program is about it's a discussion it's not a monologue and it's not someone who there's not not to be debated we learn by discussion and hearing what other people have to say and we tune it into our thoughts right. that we can take and apply to each individual business here right well i, I so, can tell you that i've that learned said, a tremendous gonna... amount from chris well Thank you. We, we, he's nice. been on our program before and we, we love having him he's he's a very very sharp person yeah, you bet he is. Yep. And, and that's why when he sent keep, me the keep note saying he was it. glad to see that you would be here. Yeah. I said, oh, Chris, drop in. Drop <laughs> in on the program with us tonight. Okay, so we have a, a topic. We're going to, per Pam's suggestion, we're going to break this into two miniature shows. We're going to talk about holidays here in the first half hour, and then when we take our 90-second break, we're going to come back and talk about a component in this book that just fascinates me. And as I wrote it to everyone in the promotional material, the components that talk about the four P's and the four E's and how they relate. And I'm going to tell all of you that uh, this information came from a book that Pam wrote called Luxury Marketing Disrupted. And I don't want to scare anyone off who says, well, no, that's, that's not my market. It's appropriate as I read it. And if you are not appealing to the high-end customer. The information is extremely relevant. You, sh- you should never listen to someone and say, well, that's not me. That's not my business. They always have something that you can take no matter what your customer is and can apply it accordingly. The small town that I grew up in, uh, people say, well, which town did your, your family have? And I said, well, you were working people, you shopped in our store. But if you were the high-end people, then this was the store two doors down that you went to shop in, in their store, and that's just kind of how it was. But the essence of getting to customers and identifying our customers and knowing how to talk to our customers transcends no matter what kind of customer it is. 
So with that being said, let's let's start with a ho 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 and a Merry Christmas. Pam, let's let's talk about the holidays. Yes. This is um twenty twenty one's a very different kind of Christmas for everybody. It is, it is. I mean, you know, if we if we look back, you know, last year, I mean we were still, you know, lots of parts of the country were still under mandates and still, you know, behind the the masks and and uh, you know, it was really, really a tough time. And back Last year, the National Retail Federation, which is kind of, which is, I mean, basically, they're a lobbying group that also represents the industry, and they put out projections about sales for the holidays, uh, the the November December time frame. Last year, they estimated that retail was going to grow somewhere between three and five percent over the holiday season. Now, coming into it, I mean, we had just been, the whole, the whole biz, you know, retail had been decimated because of COVID and the lockdowns and so on through the summer. And I just thought they were crazy, that they, we weren't going to get see 3 to 5% growth. Well, actually, the, the consumers uh, came through and drove growth last year through November and December to 8. 2%, which is an amazing increase. <clears throat> so, you know, I was, you know, I, I was put back on my heels. I was, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, I accepted the fact that I had seen it all wrong. <clears throat> well, this year they've come out with another projection for November, December, saying it's going to grow between 8.5% and 10.5% this holiday season. And anybody knows that an 8, you know, 8.5 followed, you know, following a year that you grew 8.2% would be huge growth. But, you know, I was listening to all the reasons why people said it was going to grow, all the consumer confidence that was coming into it, you know, the, the strong recovery, low unemployment, blah, blah, blah. And I really was trying to believe that, you know, maybe the NRF was going to get it right this year. And then Thanksgiving came, the five-day Thanksgiving weekend came. And there were nowhere near as many people shopped for the Thanksgiving weekend, and they didn't spend as much money. Now, the, the spending was off maybe somewhere around 2, 1% to 2%. But even online didn't, you know, online e-commerce didn't have any growth this year. It was actually down from the same period last year. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I really think that it's just wishful thinking that we're going to get to 8% growth this year. And I think, you know, I think, you know, with, with now the, I can't even say the word, um, uh, the new variant that's come about, new, you know, new fears on the horizon. I just think we're, you know, we're going to have a, a real, I think it's going to be a tough Christmas, so I'm not, and no one should buy what NRF is saying and just sort of, you know, sit back and relax and think it's all going to take care of itself. I saw very little mention, almost to the point like I thought I had forgotten it existed. I saw almost nothing about Small Business Saturday. Almost like American Express quit marketing the whole thing. I just, it wasn't there. <laughs> uh, I don't well, know what, I wrote I about it. <laughs> even less for Cyber Monday. Yeah, I, I wrote about Small Business uh, Saturday. 
uh, American Express came out with uh, some projections about how much was spent, but that was all based upon uh, reported consumer expenditures, and it really it didn't have research validity, so I didn't report on the results. But you know, there were NRF, the National Retail Federation, does have the foot traffic numbers, and it was a pretty. I think it was about 50 million people came out to shop small business, but those 50 million people, what? What what the data suggested to me from the uh, American Express post Small Business Saturday survey was a lot of that that foot traffic was going to restaurants, not so much to retail stores, and so that that was my big takeaway from from when I read the the research results. So let me ask questions about particular experiences. Um, Last 30 days, I've had a couple of trips to Las Vegas. And for me, no trip to Las Vegas is complete without wandering through and looking at stores. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the strip. I realize that's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different world. And uh, for someone who comes from mainstream retail, I look at that and go, you know, there's not a whole lot of these store names I even recognize. It's... Uh, it comes across as very much so high end, but what throws me, and where I want, I'm wanting to go with questions, is the precautions that people are taking. And I do not want to make light. I'm not going to make fun of anybody with with their beliefs for for COVID and everything that goes goes with. It. I'm just appealing to people to look at the information and say, "All right, what am I doing?" And, and that was, I was amazed at the number of shops that had roped-off barricades at the edge of the front door. Mm -hmm. To me, that was very standoffish. And, and then, whether it's a restriction uh, in Clark County, Nevada, or just something a bunch of them, or the mall that they were in, dreamt up, where it's like, we have a limited capacity of this many people. And I, I keep seeing that sign, and I look in the stores, and I go... You wish you had that many people in your store. Yeah. You don't have uh, anywhere near that. That's been my experience. Every time I, I go to Las Vegas, not that I go there that often, and I haven't gone you know, for the, <laughs> since COVID hit, and I'm, I'm glad of that. Um, but, you know, my experience is that the stores are absolutely empty. The big luxury malls are empty. So I, I don't know why there's like five Louis Vuitton boutiques in Las Vegas, and all of them are empty. But, you know, that it may be the time I'm shopping, maybe the time I'm out. I don't know. But um, I think, uh, you know, and I, and I wonder, I mean, I'm really curious if the barricades are up not so much because of COVID concerns, but possibly concerns about this smash and grab. Uh, loot, you're not allowed to call it looting anymore, but it's looting, smash and grab, robbery that's going on. And it, you know, it started and it's become a, a real trend in, in San Francisco, but it is now starting to spread all over the country. And these are organized criminal gangs. So you know, we're not talking about you know, just, you know, people on the streets. You know, we're talking about organized criminal gangs. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of that isn't sort of, you know, taking, a, you know, preventative measures in case of that. 
But then I see businesses, uh, and I'll name the one that I thought had the, well, I mean, two of them I thought who had really bad ways of handling it. One of them was, um, oh, who's the company that does all the eyeglass advertising? Warby, Warby Parker. Parker. Mm-hmm. Warby Parker. And it's like you're an eyeglass shop, and you meet the person at the front, same thing, a little corded off, and you go through a drill almost. And I go, well, now, do you have an appointment? Do you want to make an appointment? I go, you're a store and a mall, dude. <laughs> you know, I, I, my thought is like, get out of the way and let the customer walk in the door and look at it. And the other one was a uh, a Yankee candle shop. Really? And I love walking in and playing it. So you walk in the front door, and the employee in the store, uh, I honed in on a product I wanted to go look at. And this was more of a spiel as to, well, everything that you look at is going to be sanitized, and if you touch something, we will pick it up and we do this, and on and on and on. I'm thinking, my gosh, where was Hello. (laughs) <laughs> where was welcome? You know, hey, hey, we're glad for you to take and walk in, walk in and look at the store because we do want people coming in here. But I'm highlighting these in our conversation tonight from the standpoint I'm asking people. I'm not wanting to make light of anyone's beliefs about COVID or the precautions. But I do say somewhere along the line, you need to sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you've got to sell merchandise, and it's got to feel good for the customer, and they've got to want to have a pleasant experience coming exactly. into your business. Well, I, um, I wonder, too, if, if some of the, these issues, I mean, I'm hearing it all the time from people, that, um, they're, I mean, they're, just, they're taking warm bodies off the street to work in stores without any training, without any experience, without um, you know even even the least bit of qualifications and how they handle people and deal with people, um, you know, you know it, it, there was something like six. Uh, and the the uh, NRF put out some number like six hundred and fifty thousand part-time or temporary employees are needed for this holiday season. I looked at the numbers, the Labor Department numbers of how many people were hired in retail in October, and it was something, it was like 35,000 new retail um, jobs were, were created. Um, you know, there's this huge mish, mish, mismatch. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, they're, they're so desperate to get people, they'll just take anybody, and that's, that's not what retailers need. Retailers need to have – you really need to train people. You need to – and they really don't reach, you know, their you know, productivity until, you know – well, I, I was just speaking to Gina Drosis, who's the, the CEO of Signet, the, the Kay and Zales and Jared Jewelers. Uh, CEO company, and she says that her her turnover is like sixty percent less than than other other retailers in in her industry, and her pro- the productivity of a salesperson in her stores really doesn't begin to start. You know, they don't really begin to start until about a year after they've been employed. Um, now, again, jewelry might be a little bit more specialty, but I mean, the fact is that. It, it takes some time to learn how to finesse a customer and work with a customer. And, and, of course, you have to have the right personality to do it, too. 
Or as Chris would say, you don't sell to these people, you fascinate these people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and he's absolutely right about that. <laughs> I, I remember that Chrisism very well. You're not trying yeah. to sell them, you're trying to fascinate them. Right, right. I have had three calls today for events in the first quarter of next year. And with the third one, I said, this is getting unweird. really weird here is that it's, it's the same question. Well, our audience wants to hear, where do you find good employees? Yes. And I said, well, let me answer the question. You don't. You don't go find them. You build them. You mm-hmm. develop them. You have right. to teach them. You have to have a school. And if a person... My favorite example is professional baseball. If in the seventh game of the World Series that is playing one night at 8 o'clock Eastern, if the two teams are out on the field at 4 o'clock still practicing for what is now somewhere north of 180 games, not counting the spring training, if they're continuing to practice and they do this every day, why is it you think that in your business you do not need to practice? Right, right. You, Absolutely. you have to teach. You have to practice, and you don't. You don't train people. Training's for animals. You don't train people. You educate people about understanding their customer and stuff like that. But that, that is a a very hot one, and and I will say very strongly to to the audience. My belief is right now, I'm not going to take a warm body over someone who can't produce in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, my example this afternoon was, was to this meeting planner. I said, you go out to dinner tonight with three friends, and you go to a restaurant, they're short-staffed, and you have an extremely horrible experience in that restaurant. How long of the four of you going to remember that, and how many people are you going to tell? Right, right. I'd rather see the restaurant, not take the reservation, and say, sorry, I don't have space tonight for you than to create such a bad, and you're disappointed you couldn't get in tonight. But you didn't get in, and that was it. If you right. have the horrible experience, you're going to be telling lots of people for a long time, and oh my gosh, wait till we see what happens when you get on Yelp and uh, Google that's, and start talking about it. That's true. That's true. And, and you know, more and more I'm seeing, you know, restaurants that I, I'm having to close, closing early, and, you know, we understand. I, I understand. I don't know about everybody else, but I, I certainly understand. It's, it's absolutely right. Because you want someone to be I delighted. I mean, that's the – you don't want to leave a bad taste in anyone's mouth from being in your store, being, in, you know, experiencing your, your restaurant, your bar, whatever. You want, you want them to leave with a smile on their face and happy, even if they didn't buy anything. You know, you want them to smile coming out. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to take a quick station break, come back, and I'll reintroduce our guest to everybody for tonight's program. This is PBN, the Profitable Business Network from Profits Plus. So our program tonight is Small Business Conversations. I'm your host, Tom Shea from ProfitsPlus.org. We are a specialty firm dealing with business management education and our program every month that we have been doing now for 13 years, I believe, somewhere in that neck of the woods, we go out and find experts who are so kind 
to donate an hour of their time on an evening when they could be sitting back and relaxing, but instead decide, no, they're going to take and be kind to, to talk to us for an hour. And tonight is no exception because our guest from Unity Marketing is Pam Danziger. Pam knows inside and out all kinds of details. She's a phenomenal researcher, and I hardly suggest you're going to her website, unitymarketingonline.com, and just get yourself something to drink and sit down and spend some time going through her website and see all the stuff that she writes about that is so applicable to our businesses, both product and service-oriented, and both to luxury and to the rest of the, the retail world. Information that you can benefit from all that ha- she has to say. So we are discussing the challenges of business tonight. Pam, what else are you going to tell folks to expect or see the opportunities for them to do during the holiday season? Well, I just, I just think you have to stay on top of your game. I mean, one, one really positive thing that I've heard from lots of small businesses versus the big, large retailers is that the, the supply chain problems are not affecting them anywhere near the extent as you know, the, the Walmarts and, and the Targets of the world. They're bringing all their product in in, in uh, container ships that are still out, out at sea. Um, they're, they're much, they may be having to, to spend, you know, wait a little bit longer for orders to come in, but they, they seem to have plenty of merchandise. And you know, one of the things that I think is so important for specialty retailers particularly is you know is to to move merchandise around i mean to really to present your merchandise in in a very attractive way and move it around and not have you know not having too much is really better for a specialty retailer than than having too much because you don't you know you want you want that sense customers to come in and have that sense of discovery so i think they're in a very good position um, where that is concerned i also think you know, to to your point about what's going on with the the, the friendliness and and the the welcoming uh, feeling welcome in the retail store, I really think we need this year especially. I mean, we went through hell last year. We really, really, really are desperate to get back to normal. So I think this year, you know, do something extra special to decorate your store. Do something extra special in terms of your, you know, your music uh, programming. You, re- you know, you, maybe wear Santa Claus hats. I mean, the, you, do fun things to make people feel like, you know, there really is a holiday spirit in the store and and again you it, it's so easy to get a, to to have a smile on your face and put a smile in somebody else's face especially if we're not hidden behind masks and that's what we want we want that warm cozy feeling so i really encourage retailers to uh to bring that spirit work extra extra hard to bring that spirit into their into their store into their establishment I was a little more blunt than you are in what you're saying when I put out my newsletter for December uh, because I had a a headline that said something to the fact of, would you like some cheese with that wine of yours? (laughs) And my bluntness was to say, folks, I think it's more than just me, but I'm walking into businesses uh, 
and instead of doing what Pam is talking about, and let's make this fun and enjoyable. Like, hey, I didn't get to do this last year. I'm looking forward to coming mm-hmm. out and shopping and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And when I either get you on the phone or I walk in your business and you start telling me, well, we're out of a lot of stuff right now. Well, we're really short-staffed right now. And, well, we're really having this problem right now. <sighs> Nobody wants to hear your problems. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, how about be thankful for the person who walked into your door in front of you? Uh, it's like I walked into a, a shoe store the other day, and uh, when I'm in a hotel, my thing is I wear a pair of Tom's shoes. They're like comfortable house shoes, and having several times walked into the side of a bed or something and broken a toe, I wear these shoes in hotels just to you know, stop me from doing the stupid things that I have, have done over the years. And I walk into the store, and I'm saying, well, I'm looking to find a pair of Toms. Well, uh, you know, we only have, a, we only have a, a, a small selection of that. And I go, well, how many <laughs> pairs of shoes did you think I was coming in to buy? <laughs> and I go, you know, it just... When we're, for most of us, when we are shopping in a business, and most definitely on the luxury end, I don't have to spend this money. Right? It can stay in my pocket, but it's a whole lot more fun to spend it than to have it wadded up in my pocket, or you know, figuratively say, wadded up in my pocket, on my debit card account. Okay, my line, of, my credit limit on my American Express card, wherever it is, is that. The fun has to begin with my experience in your business. It has to be fun with you, the person who's waiting on me, and enjoyable. I have to want to spend it. I I, I need to walk out of the store saying, wow, I had really no intention of spending that much money. Mm -hmm. Right. Now you're doing your job. Now now you're making it fun. Right, right. you know, one of the things no, that I, the I I've observed with um, you know retailers, and and this is this is all research based. When I ask when I ask business owners how many you know how they divide their time between being in the back room versus being in the on the sales floor, and oftentimes it's like you know fifty fifty sixty percent in the back room, seventy percent in the back room. You know, very little, basically very little time is spent on the sales floor. Well, this, when I look at when I compare the, the the percentage of time spent on the sales floor and the sales of that store, what you find is that stores where the the owner is on the floor. Have, make so much more money. They're growing their business. People who spend all their time in the back room, um, their their business is in trouble, because you as an owner are the one who can best per, it personify the spirit of your store. And you know, every time you're on the floor, every time a new customer comes in, I mean, that's party time essentially. It's time to have a party and you should treat people like you were welcoming them into your home as, as a guest to your party. And and so I, I think it's so important for retailers to get out of the back room, hire somebody else to to work in the back room and then you know, and they don't need to have the people skills that the that that the people in the front uh, on the sales floor have. 
that's where you need to put your emphasis on modeling the behavior that you want to you want to see in your employees, in your sales staff, and really making it a delight for the customer because that's the that is the only that's the only person at any moment that matters the most. It's that is the customer. I'm, before we go to our bottom of the hour station break and change our gears, I, I want to affirm what you had said from a, an experience that I had in, in our store. And I so well remember the day that I came walking out of the back and a customer approached me and said, well, Hello, Tom. Where you been? I haven't seen you around here in a while. And I was not putting in any less hours than I was before. I was doing what Pam was talking about. I was putting more of them on the back end. And uh, the little bell in my head went off and the, the revelation came to me is that when I decided many, many years ago that I wanted to be a retailer, it was because of my watching my father and my grandfather. Never got to work with my great-grandfather in store. But realizing that what did I remember most about them that caused me to model after them? And it was not their sitting in the office doing paperwork. <laughs> it was their interaction with people in the store and while both are, are, are long gone, my grandfather passed away in 84, uh, I'm going back to my hometown next Wednesday and meet a couple people and, and fully expect that they'll, when we speak, and they'll say, that's your grandfather? Oh, my gosh, I always loved shopping at your grandfather's store. Mm-hmm. No one ever said right. they love watching my grandfather do paperwork. Right. It was that interaction. So, bottom of the hour, we give Pam enough time to... Uh, Get something to drink and don't go away. We'll be right back for Small Business Conversations. Danzinger from Unity Marketing. You find her online very easily at unitymarketingonline.com or if you go looking over at Forbes, you're going to see Pamela's name all over the place for all the writing that she does for these folks. <laughs> so we've, we've discussed, we beat up a little bit on the holiday issue, but we come to the point where there is a piece that somewhere in my readings 
I'm reading this article, loving it, and thinking, wow, this is really neat. What a concept here. And then lo and behold, I pay attention to the line and go, oh, I know who wrote this. No wonder I like this, because I like her writing. So let me preface it, and then we turn pen loose with some of this. We're looking at the concept of, of marketing. And it says that for all the times gone by, we, we have done things. We look at what's the product. I think we look too much at what the price is. We look at the promotion, and we look at the placement. And then Pam in this book, okay, uh, that, that we got into looking at tonight, one book that is called Luxury Marketing Disrupted, and says it's not the four of P's, it's the four E's, which are experience, exchange, evangelism, and every place. And Pam, I read that and I go, oh, I loved your example she gave. It was fascinating. I'm going, yeah, this, this makes all kinds of sense. I really liked it. And so I'd like us to spend, well, we have 25 minutes left in the program tonight to say, let's talk about those. Let's, let's just start the first P and let's go through it. Right. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Do you, you know, now it's been such a while since Mad Men was on TV. But there was one, there was one show on Mad Men, which you know was set in the '60s, and Joan, the uh, the redheaded secretary, goes to I think it was Columbia Business School to talk to a professor to learn about the four P's, which had just become you know uh, a foundation of marketing back in in the early '60s, and you know. That's what we were taught in, in Marketing 101. It's what everybody has sort of been drilled into is the four Ps, product, price, promotion, and placement. And, but, you know, the, the fact is that's a 60s idea, and we're in the 21st century, you know, 60-odd 60, 60 years from there. And the, the 21st century, we really need to, to get rid, put those four Ps behind us and start thinking about the four E's where experience, the experience replaces the old idea of product and every place becomes our new place. Exchange is, 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 is the, new, the new way to think about price and evangelism, um, getting people to talk about you and, and share about you is the new promotion. So that's the, the four E's are all around experiences, exchange, evangelism in every place. And what those, those four E's mean is we've really got to up the value proposition because nobody, you know, we don't need more stuff. People have got plenty of stuff. What we're really looking for is, is experiences both in terms of our shopping experience as well as the, the, the experience, the, the promise that that product offers to us in terms of it, what it's going to deliver to us in terms of our experience. So, so it's all about value creation, not just putting a product out there, pricing it right, um, making sure you advertise it properly and, and, and in the right places. It's all about what that product offers to the consumer, the customer, what the value proposition is, and making sure that they can access it everywhere and 
that the value that that they get more value and it's worth the the the, the amount that you, that you charge and it also comes in a timely fashion because time is money and that you know you that you use all the avenues to promote your you know your product promote your business and and get input and get get people talking about you in a positive way not about how bad your service was but how wonderful your service was okay so let me throw two of them at you and you tell me how if these are if these are appropriate they fit into your category both of them come from oddly enough chimney sweeps yeah Okay, and and you think, okay, you know, how fancy can it be? It's a person who shows up, and they're not all Dick Van Dyke out there like Jim Chimney and all that good stuff. But I spoke at an event once, and, I, gosh, I remember this so well. I was telling Chimney Sweeps about a man that I had met, and I said his story he related to me was of a, a woman who called and asked him to come and clean her chimney. And he said, I have retired. I just answered the phone for my son, who's now the chimney sweep. And she said, could I persuade you then, when your son comes to do it, that you would come with him? And, okay, I'll, you know, I'll ride along. And he comes to the house, uh, and his name was Lucky Dale. You know, chim- chimney sweep is, a, is always a lucky person. And uh, he had, he did his routine which was he comes to the house and if there's a kid there he has a little small black plastic chimney sweep that he will give them and a business card with a little cartoon character on it that says and you are now a junior chimney sweep and gives Mm -hmm. it to the kid and you see the mother standing off to the side and she's tearing up watching this happen and he asked her well what's wrong and she goes over to the mantle and picks up the little statue and the little card that she got when she was the little kid, mm. and she experienced the father, Lucky Dale, doing this. And she says, yeah. because I want my child to have the experience I did. And I look at that. It's a product slash service. Clean your chimney. Right. But it was not a product or service. It was an experience with that person. Right. And right. I, I can remember I told that to a group of chimney sweeps several years later, and as soon as I mentioned him, all of a sudden it got quiet and everybody stood up in the room. And the president of the group stands in the back and he says, a moment for Lucky Dale. <laughs> and unknown to me, Lucky Dale had died mm. a year or so earlier. And this was all the, the brethren of the trade standing up and giving a moment of silence for Lucky Dale. <laughs> Yeah. And it was like, golly, now that was a feel. But my, my second one, to, to address your issue of price, and, and want you to tell me, am, am I right on these stories? Am I on point? I met another chimney sweep who said, everyone in my territory has a set price for how much it is to, to do the chimney. And they're all the same. Everyone's got the same price. He says, except me. He says, person calls and asks the question, how much is your service to do this? Like right. almost every service industry, it becomes, how, what's your price? Right. And he says, I tell the customer, I need to ask you a few questions first. And he says, I hold the piece of paper in my hand. I have done this for years, but I don't want to forget a question, trusting my memory as such. And I begin to ask him, 
Well, how old is your house? What is the chimney constructed? If you use wood, what type of wood do you use? If you mm-hmm. have gas, what type of gas do you have here? And he goes through all of these questions. And at the end of the ten questions, he says, well, based upon what you have told me, this is the price. And he says, it's like 50 bucks higher than everybody else. And then he says, here's the deal, Tom. He says, every chimney sweep, we all have the very same tools. There's no difference. He says, my price is higher because I expressed an interest in the customer and they perceived a concern on my part to making sure that the job was done correctly. Right. So when I'm reading what you have written, Pam, and you're saying, here's price, and right. I'm going, your, your comment was, exchange is the new price. And I'm going, this man exchanged information. Right. And the customer right. perceived that information as value. Right. And that with value, the price is. Too often I hear people trying to say value and thinking it's the same translation to saying it's price, right. low price. Right, right. No, it, it, are are yeah. these online? Is, is this what you're, you're teaching us with, with, with these first two? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's no question. I mean, price, I mean, and, and consumers have been trained. I mean, everything, you watch TV, you watch ads on TV, you read the newspaper, you see the flyers. I mean, it's all, everybody tries to drill it down to price. But the consumers, you know, I, we talk about people who have more money to spend, more discretion. I mean, they're really, that's what the affluent people, consumers are. They're people with discretion. They have more money to spend. They want quality. They want, and they want to be sure that they're getting what they're paying for. And they're not afraid to pay more if the quality is there. And, you know, your example with, you know, the chimney sweep is is a perfect example. Just by asking those questions and digging into, uh, you know, specifics, it really, it shows attention to detail, attention to quality that other, you know, chimney sweeps that are just trying to sell on price are not not communicating. I mean, another part of exchange really is time. And time is the ultimate luxury. So you know, retailers that can save customers time, I mean, there's some time people come into a store and want to spend time there. There's other t- cases where you want to get in and out very quickly. I mean, I, I shop all day. I, I have learned and it, you know, that I can get in and out of Aldi and do my week's worth of shopping in, in like half an hour versus going to a big, the, the big grocery store by, right, that's right beside it, which would take me an hour to do my shopping. It isn't about the price I pay at Aldi, even though I, I appreciate that Aldi prices are cheaper and, and I can't get everything I need. You know, maybe I get 80, 90% of what I want. But guess what? The time I can save, and I don't have to be going up and down the aisles and all over the place, that is, that is precious to me and is worth every penny. So I shop Aldi not because of price, but all because of the convenience, because I hate to go to the grocery store. You know, and, and yet your comment you know, about the price, you know, when you realize that the average grocery store is stocking <laughs> somewhere between thirty and 40,000 SKUs, 
And all of us do what you have done, which say, well, I go to so-and-so because I know their prices are better. <laughs> okay, the reality is, no, we don't, because you don't know 40,000 prices. <laughs> Only their computer knows 40,000 prices, but they know which items to price accordingly to grab your attention. Right. They know to grab the milk and perhaps the hamburger meat and a loaf of bread and, and certain other key items. Uh, but So if you're going to be a late-night snacker, yeah, I know the price of the milk, but I really don't know what the price of Oreo cookies is supposed to be because yeah. the price of milk is right. <laughs> you get certain well. landmarks right. Oreo cookies are priced you know, expensive. And it, <laughs> but, yeah, well, you know, and it's the paradox of choice is very, very real. I mean, if you give people too many things to decide, you know, too many choices to decide upon, um, it delays decision-making. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know statistically how often, but way too many times people will walk away from it because you've actually created a problem for the customer. You've made them have to make a choice. Again, Aldi dumbs it down. I mean, there's you know, one or two choices, and that's what you get. And, uh, but, you know, again, I appreciate having those decisions made for me, and that's, that's what curation is all about. Is about you know not having you know uh, yeah I think of a of a Talbot's fashion store you know eight different color choices for one sweater curation is about having the best example the most beautiful example so have one you know have two have three don't give somebody you know ten twelve of the same old same old to, to try to make a decision about. Before we go down to the the other two P's, let me throw a piece in on this one. I've had the opportunity many times to work with people in the bicycle industry, and my contention with them is that they stack those bicycles on their sales floor, and they stack them like they're cardboard cartons. And I go, these are ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollar bikes, and you just stack them in there. There's no experience of shopping. It looks like a warehouse full of bicycles. And you take just what you have said. Here's every color that we make of it. And you don't take and curate it down to a smaller selection. And and then the problem comes with your staff saying, well, I didn't make the sale because we didn't have what they wanted. Hmm. Your job is to sell what we have. Right. Right. if, if If I give you, if I'm the owner of the store, and I have every size and every color of everything out there. Mm. I do not need salespeople. I've got everything. I just need a cashier. <laughs> yeah, but uh, believe me, that is not a winning re- retail strategy. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. And, and that's my point. I can't have everything out there, and I really can't afford to have people who are cashiers. I need you to be able to explain to customers, this is why we have this right. model. Right, right. That's why we have this color. This is why we predict this series. So well, I have this uh, this sweater out of some particular material. Well, why don't you have it out of alpaca? I don't because this is yeah, this is you know, it's not as soft. It it doesn't hold the color as well. It doesn't do something. Right. That's right. why we didn't pick it. Well, so you know, when, in when evangelism. Look, yeah. Well, what, just one more thing about price. One more thing about price. You know, when people are given the choice between good, better, and best, 
nine times out of ten, they're going for the better choice. So it really helps to have a low price, you know, a low price and a very, very high price. What you're going to sell is the one in the middle. And that, 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 that's psychologically proven. There's a, there's a long lesson learned in the grocery business for states where grocery stores may sell wine. Uh, and that is this particular grocery chain was looking at their selection and noticing that they were not selling a lot of their high-end, by, by their terms, high-end wines, which was $15 a bottle. Right. Why couldn't they get people over a $12 mark? They wouldn't go for the 15 And the solution was put a $20 bottle on the, on the shelf. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Extend yeah. extend the upper limit of what best is. Right. So think, well, I'm not going to afford the best. Okay, well then I'll just take the fifteen dollar bottle of wine instead of the twelve. Exactly. You, you're moving the whole scale up. So yeah, that's. Uh, I want to ask smart. about the aspect of experience and replace, not evangelism, replacing promotion because our guest right. for the January 2022 program is going to be Ron Friedman, and we're going to do a very unique program, and that. We are going to discuss the opportunity by having a premium customer loyalty program instead of the traditional one that people have. The traditional one is kind of like what Pam has saying, what you saw with Madman, and what you see with having uh, the four Ps who have been there since the 60s. And the concept of having a rewards program, which is buy 10 and the 11th one is free, is about as dated as Mad Men is from the 1960s. It's not where it's at. And we're going to not only show you during this program that you can sell a premium program. What we're going to do to make our January program very interactive, we're going to ask listeners to send us in their business And during the program, Ron and I are going to design a premium reward program for whoever it is that calls in. We're going to do as many businesses as we can. But everyone looks at the classic example of Amazon. What do people pay, $120 a year to get that? Mm -hmm. So I see evangelism in getting people to take and love the way that you do it. My November newsletter, Pam, had an example of a friend I saw on Facebook who wrote a glowing testimonial to Chewy, the pet food company. Mm -hmm. Teacher in a a local public school, and I called her up. And I said, tell me, Brenda, what's the fascination with Chewy? Why are you so in love with them? She called one day to cancel her order, which was, hey, every so many weeks or months, whatever, you send me this bag of cat food. Mm-hmm. And she called to cancel it. Okay, Now, any store out there could do a recurring order system. It's mm-hmm. not that hard. Mm-hmm. You could do it on note cards. You don't even have to do it with a computer. You could do it with pencil and note cards. But her thing was she called to tell them she was canceling, and may I ask why you canceled it? My cat died. No. All right. Two days later, after she comes home from school, mm-hmm. her neighbor is knocking at the door, 
and has a card and a flower arrangement. Right. The card is signed by the very person she spoke to at Chewy, a sympathy card, and naming the cat and naming her, saying, sorry that you have lost your pet, you know, Bongo or whatever the cat's name right. was, uh, <laughs> blah, 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 and along with it. Right. And she's writing this report. You know, Now, to me, as I read what you have created, Pam, is that's evangelism. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's big time. <laughs> yeah, the, the bit, the yeah. best way I, I use to describe, or I think of the difference between promotion in the madman world versus evangelism in the 21st century is that promotion, it's all about, it, it's all about push marketing. It's pushing messages out. Evangelism is about pulling people in with that fascination quota that, uh, that Chris Ramey talks about. It's like it, by fascinating people, you pull them in. So your marketing really has to – it's not about just you know, taking out a, a million or $2 million ad on the Super Bowl and running it for you know, 20, 30 seconds. It's about all kinds of information and all kinds of communication – that's designed to pull people in and make them want to engage and want to learn more. And, you know, it's content marketing. It is, it is consumer reviews. I mean, online, and, and not just online, on, you know, before you even go to a store you, you know, or, or a restaurant, you always check the, the Yelp reviews, TripAdvisor. I mean, those, those are very important sources of information um, Amazon has learned it very well. You know, they, you read your reviews before you hit that uh, buy button. Um, influencer marketing, I'm personally not that big a fan of influencer marketing, but it is it, not, not paid influencers anyway, but that, the, the testimonial from, from the, the Chewy customer, Brenda the Chewy customer, is the greatest influence um, marketing that I can, e I can even begin to think of. And so all of those things are so important to pull people in, email marketing, newsletters, uh, personal, you know, personal messages. I mean, uh, even calling up a customer, I mean, for small retail business, if you haven't seen somebody for a while, give them a call and say, you know, how are you doing? What's up? What's up? <laughs> Well, now I'm going to give you the last and big challenge of the night. We have two minutes left. Every place over placement. Yes. Explanation, yes. please. Well, the idea of every place, I mean, it really is that you really need to be everywhere your customer is. And, I mean, we've learned that. We learned that the hard way. If you hadn't been online, if you didn't have any kind of e-commerce capabilities. You learned it the hard way last year. You really need to have that online presence. So you need to be you know, accessible. By, and I still can't get over how many places that I, stores and restaurants that I, I want to visit don't have their, their websites mobile enabled so that you can actually read on your mobile phone. Um, so every place is that you know you really need to have your website well designed. You have to have that updated. You have to have access to some e-commerce capability, a mobile enabled site, and then your store has to be, and your 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 storefront needs to be beautiful and inviting. So that's the idea of you know 
this this old kind of thinking that, that we use, that we're trained to think about of channels of distribution. That's all gone by the wayside. It's really what it is now. It's about harmonic retail. That even omni-channel is is a term that is losing favor. It's harm. Everything has to work in harmony to work to the to provide to present and provide value to the customer. And that means be every place that that customer is when they need you to be, whether it's you know, buy online, pick up in store, whether it's home delivery like in, in Uber Eats. I mean, all of those, those things really put you in that every place category and, and stop thinking about, you know, I've got a storefront and that's, that's my place of business and that's where I'm doing my business. Our guest tonight has been Pam Danziger of Unity Marketing. Brilliant woman. We appreciate that she could join us tonight. You find her online at unitymarketingonline.com. Uh, she is a frequent writer for Forbes. You can find her on Forbes writing materials, which I suggest you sign up for because we all need as much opportunity as we can to take and learn more of, from people like this who've done this great marketing research to help us with our business. Let's see. Let me first, a quick side note. Chris, Chris Ramey, thank you, sir, for joining us tonight. Appreciate you dropping in. It's always a pleasure to listen oh. to you and Bam. So I, did, I didn't know you me. were still on, Chris, or I would have asked you a question. <laughs> oh, no. Don't be. We, we just want to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, this, was your, this was your night. And Pam, thank you for being with us tonight. We Thanks. appreciate it. Thanks so much. And good luck to all. And happy holidays. And everyone, thanks for being with us. We'll be back for the program in January. It has been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests next month right here on Small Business Conversations from Profits Plus Solutions. This is PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Visit our website to learn more about us at ProfitsPlus.org. There, you will find our catalog of small business conversations, articles and advisories, news, meeting planners, calculators, and resources. Also, we invite you to connect with Profits Plus Solutions on our various social media channels. Please like or connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, SlideShare, Twitter, and YouTube. We have links to all our social media channels on our homepage at ProfitsPlus.org. Thank you for joining us.